David, at the last estate sale I went to, I snagged first edition copies of season three and season four of the Outlander books to resell. And one of them had a vintage Dirty Dancing bookmark in it. That lady was all horned up. Oh, shit. We're recording. I already forgot how to podcast since last season. What? You sound like a lunatic. Eggfish. Eggfish. Entenmann's Danish for all. I may be stubborn, but I'm not a fool. It's Outlander, season four. Welcome to the season three premiere of The Center Cut. I am Dave. And I am Michael. And David, why did we have to be confusing and make it our season three premiere covering a fourth season of a show? Like, what what are we doing here? Because uh, it's fun. But Michael, we've spent our off season getting swole, Lynn, because we're fatter now. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was incredible. I ate more food than I've ever eaten on any Thanksgiving ever. I had three Thanksgiving meals. But we're not here to talk about Thanksgiving. We're here to talk about season four of Outlander. We watched the first episode and the last episode, and we're going to recap them and we have some questions. But David, to help us prepare, we also caught up and watched the middle of season three. I have a few notes. I have a few comments. Too much blood and guts. Too much what? Too much blood and guts. Uh, I thought you said butt and guts. No, not enough butt. Too much blood and guts. Those are my three complaints. (laughs) I don't need to see Claire removing a bullet directly from Jamie's arm. You know what else I don't need to see? Drilling into a man's head. (laughs) The worst. Yeah. (sighs) Claire is not a likable main character. I'm sorry. I, I did not like her in the middle of season three. She's just she's too selfish for me. And she constantly puts other people in peril due to her stubbornness. Mm-hmm. She, she was mm-hmm. back in the 1700s for like six hours before she killed a dude and got Jamie's print shop indirectly burnt to a crisp. Like, I get that it wasn't her fault, but maybe if she listened to Jamie, the guy who was actually living in that era for more than a day and stayed in her room to begin with, things maybe could have ended up different. I don't know. This season more so than previous seasons. Jamie's not so great either. He's good looking and he's a decent guy, but not telling Claire that you're married for like a while, especially when it's to Leary, the woman who tried to get you or your wife burned at the stake. (laughs) A little bit of a misstep. Yeah. And then the whole situation with Ian and how Jamie just doesn't tell his sister. No, he directly lied to Ian. Yeah. That's insane to me. It's like 10 years down the road. If your son ran away from home and came to my house and then you came looking for him, I was like, nah, I don't see him. Not here. <laughs> like, that's insane. Yeah. But you know who is the best? Elias Pound. Best character in the show. Better than Murtaugh. And I knew right away that he was going to croak because he was so good hearted and nice. He was just like the perfect little boy. <laughs> just the perfect little boy. He was. Yeah. And most importantly, though, we were wrong about basically everything that we mm-hmm. <laughs> answered more than any other season, except my gaydar did not fail me. John Gray definitely wanted to hit Jamie's back with something else long and thin. Otherwise, woof, hard season, not a big fan. But season four, let's do it, David. Let's do it. Outlander. We've covered three seasons before this. 
It's the fourth one. For those of you that don't know, it's based on a novel series by Diana Gabaldon. It's been adapted to TV. It stars the usual suspects we've talked about a million times, Katrina Balfe and Sam Hewen, a bunch of other people. And that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, we have a lot to cover as per usual with Outlander. So let's dive in. Episode one, America the Beautiful. Mm. I'm ready for my dude, Jamie, that trifling trollop Claire. And no, sorry, we get cavemen. It's 2000 BC. It's like the Leftovers season two opener. Incredible season slash show. Except these cave people are building a North American version of Lorna Dune, Crana Dune, whatever, with stone Jenga blocks. These cliche clod chuckers are dancing and grunting around their version of the time portal, which, listen, like the idea of this traveling taking place for thousands of years is super compelling. But did they have to make these people look like Kesha and a bunch of Flintstones extras? <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me, any of it. I just feel like these people would like, yes, they could maybe sense the magic and understand that this is a magical place or whatever. But like. I don't think they'd have enough intelligence to like put together what was happening. <laughs> like, what is even going on? Well, if you've ever watched Ancient Aliens, you would know for a fact that aliens came down to the Earth many years ago and told all these people what to do. And that's what happened. That's true. That's what Indiana Jones told us, too, yeah. in the worst Indiana Jones movie <laughs> that you haven't seen. But that's what happened. Anyway, Claire narrates about circles, and we flash to 1767 North Carolina through a noose. And I flat out hate that they just basically yada yada getting from season three finale Georgia shipwreck to being here in North Carolina. It's so ridiculous. Like I get madder each time I tried to piece everything together. Yeah, it feels like the show's doing this more and more often that like giant chunks of time are just lost and we don't know what happened in them. Every second is action packed with some kind of like shitty thing that's happening to them or like something weird is going on that there couldn't have been a, like a year in which they were just traveling and nothing terrible happened, you know? No. So Jamie goes and sees one of his hired guns from the middle of season three, Hayes. He's sitting on early America death row. He's just a chubby white Tupac, aren't we all? All he wants is whiskey and a smile. And we meet human Dingleberry and villain of the season, fellow death row inmate and new Randall, Stephen Bonnet who shows his true colors immediately by weaseling some of the soon-to-be dead man's rum. I knew immediately that this man wasn't going to die because he's too good-looking. Yeah, no, he definitely, he had a notable look about him to be more than just an extra. Mm -hmm. Outside, Hayes is hung. Jamie forces the fakest smile like he's a fourth grader on picture day. <laughs> and Hayes' buddy Leslie is real upset about his buddy and causes a commotion in the crowd. Also, imagine going to a hanging. Mm -hmm. Let us go, Martha. Put on your good blouse and starch my knickers. We're going to see some ruffians lose their lives. Yeah, like I almost cry when I see someone like run over an animal in the street. These people are like, let's go see the hanging. Let's go see yeah. the hanging. Like, it's what? like insane how excited people are <laughs> to see someone die. Yeah. I guess we have entertainment that has all of that built in. It's true. So for us, we don't need that, I mm. guess, because it's already present in all of the entertainment that we experience. I, yeah. I wonder if we'd be more thirsty for death. Yeah, because I, this sounds dark, but like if I'm watching somebody die, that means it wasn't me dying. So it's like 
now I stand a better chance of not dying. I don't know if that <laughs> mathematically works out for you. Maybe not. It does force you to like think about your own mortality. Right. The moral of the story, though, is white people were very weird. Oh, still are. Yeah. During the skirmish, that little butt boy, Stephen Bonnet, escapes. We get our Sing Me a Song credit sequence, which ends with a beautiful eagle snatching a fish out of the water. God bless America. <laughs> we're now in a pub. Leslie starts singing a tune for Hayes and the whole tavern joins in. It lasts about a minute and a half and all of the words are in a different language. And if I tried to imitate it, I would probably hurt my tongue. All the words sounded very painful. The crew heads out at night to stealth bury Hayes in a graveyard since he's not allowed to be buried lawfully since he was a criminal. I don't care what you do with my body, David. Wrap me up in a bunch of braided together Twizzlers and throw me in a lake. I don't give a shit. I don't need to be buried in some special graveyard. Jamie and young Ian are digging a hole for Hayes' body. Young Ian is standing in an open grave, which obviously reminds him of the last dirty hole he was in, Galus's <laughs> vagina. Fucking Galus. Good thing her head got cut off. Yep. He and Jamie bond over being sexually assaulted, which is shitty. I don't want to talk anymore about it. That's not the show. They go to retrieve Hayes' body out of the wagon, and boo! Out pops talking ball sack Stephen Bonnet. <laughs> he begs them to drive him out of town to safety, and the stupid idiots agree. Now... The first time watching through, I already loathed this guy by this point. I think it's because I despise his dumb mug and the facial expressions he makes. Also, I think it's because he looks like a 1700s version of the lead singer of that band Puddle of Mud. And that guy's insufferable. <laughs> David, have you ever heard their cover of the Nirvana song from last year? No. Oh, my God. You Listen, I urge you. It's the worst thing that you will hear this year. And then see how much he looks like Stephen shit-eating bonnet. And you'll think I'm very smart. So win-win. Anyway, so Jamie and Claire ride through the night with Bonnet hiding in the back of their wagon. They're stopped by redcoats. They tell them they have a dead body in the back. So the Brits stab it to make sure. And wouldn't you know it, they miss that little wart bonnet and hit the deer instead. So they're convinced it's a dead body. Bonnet has a little baby nick on his thigh that Claire tends to once they're out of earshot. And I don't know if you noticed it, but dude grabs his junk constantly. And it's no different as Claire's putting an old timey bandaid on his upper thigh. He notices her whole jewelry, and by that I mean her two wedding rings. He tells her about his nightmares about drowning. I wish they were real. And he bids them adieu with an ominous warning that they better check thine selves before they wreck thine self. He also confirms that he's a pirate and says the only good thing he's ever said, which is make your own luck, which is also one of my tattoos and a reference to a season three episode of Lost. Ugh. Did you have to like write in the premiere? I had to do it. I had to bring oh, it up. God. Jamie and Claire decide to make camp in the woods so as to not raise suspicion, but they don't do a whole heck of a lot of sleeping. They make s'mores by the fire. And by that, I mean, Jamie melts on a cracker. They fu-uh-uh-uh-uh-uck, and Jamie's new mullet hairdo makes him look like a muscular Theo Vaughn. <laughs> they wake up the next morning, and Claire gives Jamie a future history lesson, since, you know, she's from the future and all. And Jamie laments the plight of the natives, as we all should. Thank you for reminding me that old British and French people sucked ass. I wholeheartedly agree, Outlander. Jamie and Claire plan to go to this fancy dinner at some bigwig's house to try to sell the ruby they salvaged from the shipwreck. These frumpy old white dinguses talk politics around the table. Dude likes the ruby and Claire's tits. And we learn Jamie's plan to visit his aunt Jocasta at River Run, who just popped out of the sky and was never mentioned before this episode. Yep. Surprise. He has an aunt in America. One of the dudes, Tryon, hits Jamie up for pipe and brandy after dinner and essentially offers him a plot of land if he's willing to fight against the British fuckers enemies. Jamie and Claire talk about it. She points out that if he did take the land, the American Revolution is like 
eight years away, so he'd end up losing it anyway. But because Jamie wants to somehow make the country better for his daughter 200 years later, they decide to stay in America instead of heading back to Scotland. So they haven't figured out by now that, like, they can't affect the past pretty much. Yeah, like, of all the illogical thinking they can change the future bullshit they've spewed so far, this is just the most cockamamie. What are you going to do? But also, like, as bad as the Revolutionary War was, it ended the way that is best. (laughs) So it's like, you're going to make it better by fighting on the other side well here's the thing it turned out decently for one out of three parties it didn't turn out well for the british and it didn't certainly didn't turn out well for the natives already living in the country that's agreed but if we know it already turns out pretty decent for her why would you want to risk changing the future to a point where it could not i agree with you anyway young ian won a wolf dog that he named rollo by gambling with sailors and now i just want some rollos man now i just want that dog you can roll a rollo to your pal they're chewy and they're chocolate and they're caramel you know that song nope oh. i didn't know rollos had a theme song yeah from like the 60s or 70s jamie and claire tell the rest of the crew they're staying in america young ian wants to stay too but they won't allow it Leslie wants to stay with them a little longer for protection. Gulp. And Fergus and Marsley are expecting Bairn. And I just wanted to say Bairn. It's so much cooler than baby. (laughs) And they're all like, oh, Fergus, you're going to make a great dad. I hate when people say that. People be out here calling everyone a good father. And most of these dudes ain't shit. Like, let's stop prognosticating about people we hardly know doing the world's hardest job. Like, I bet Fergus is going to be a crap dad. His adopted mother vanished out of thin air. And he's going to expect the Baron to call him me lord. Pass. <laughs> so the crew takes the slowest boat ever to get to Jamie's new Aunt Jocasta. We learn her marital history, and it looks like the boat scenes were shot in front of a green screen. Not a fan. There were a few scenes like that in this first episode in particular. That I was like, ooh, that doesn't look great. Yeah. And we learn that the waterman dude used to be the lazy boat captain slave, but earned his freedom by saving him from a boat fire. Also, his name is Eutroculus. That is just a badass name. That is a badass name. As it gets later in the day or three days later, I I don't really know. This boat is traveling through molasses. Jamie gets Claire a gift. It's an apothecary box complete with an ancient microscope. Jamie says he wants to give her more, and she notes that all she really needs is his wedding ring. Gulp. And now for the Peace Day Resistance, set to Ray Charles's version of America the Beautiful. After a few moments into the song, the other audio drops out, which was a great choice in my humble opinion. You've got this soaring, hopeful song, and emotionally what we're seeing is like the bottom dropping out of all of the hope and optimism that was building since the end of season three. So this puddle of mud motherfucker, Stephen Dickhead Bonnet, shows up on the boat that night. His goons are beating the shit out of Jamie. They take all the jewels he had on him. A bandana dude is about to have his way with Claire when genuine good dude Leslie steps in and knocks him the hell out. But the relief is short-lived as massive douche bonnet is right up there with Randall and unflinchingly slits his throat from behind. I thought for sure at this point that he was going to sexually assault Claire. It's Outlander after all, and Diana Gabaldon apparently loved writing about forced sex. It's gross, Diana. Like, you're too horny, Diana. Stop. Yeah, she liked it way too much. I understand wanting to do it once or twice to, like, set the tone for the fact that you're in the past, but it doesn't have to be, like, every few chapters someone gets raped. Yeah, but Bonnet doesn't want her O-ring. He wants her two wedding rings. You know, the ones we were repeatedly hit over the head with this episode to remind us. Claire, in a fit of silliness, decides to try to swallow them. Foolish. Like, even if you could manage to get them down, you don't think this proven savage would either slice you open or kidnap you until you poop and then throw you overboard. Like, it's not going to end well. Either way, it's not, it's not going to no. be great. 
as soon as it happened, I thought for sure that that second thing was going to happen is that she was going to get kidnapped and he was going to be waiting for her to shit these rings out. And it was going to have to be a whole thing of Jamie going to save her again. Yep. I thought for sure that was going to be it. But it's Claire. Like, she's constantly making rash decisions that are almost always wrong. I bet there's a list somewhere on the internet that I can find of how many people have died just to try and keep Claire alive. Many. Very many. Many, many. All of Jamie's friends <laughs> have died trying to keep his fucking wife alive. Yep. And in what somehow feels more invasive than some of the many assaults we've seen over the seasons, Bonnet digs his filthy little finger into her mouth and yanks out Jamie's ring. Dirty, dirty fingers. I As soon as I saw that, I was like, oh boy, Michael's not gonna like that one. No, not a fan. And then he deboards the ship. The goons get one or two more wallops in on Jamie and then they leave as well. Claire is just devastated. She's doing that scream cry thing that makes her mouth widen and she looks like a Muppet. And she coughs up Frank's ring into her trembling hands. And then the episode closes on a scene of a beaten Jamie, crying Claire, and dead Leslie on the floor. Wow. What a scene, man. I I think, I honestly think this is a top three scene in Outlander so far. Like, the juxtaposition of the Ray Charles and the depravity, I'm just here for it. Yeah, the song really made it. Yeah, and it just just came out of nowhere. Like, as as much as I had an inkling that Bonnet, we weren't going to see the last of Bonnet, it still surprised me, and it was just a shocking scene. I mean, they do do a lot of cliffhangers Mm -hmm. in this show. It's like almost the end of every episode, like something bad happens. But yeah, I was surprised as a season opener that it didn't at least end a little bit more cheerfully because it started with their friend getting hung. Right. So like, you're thinking like, oh, well, maybe this little end season but nope no rough episode but i really really love the ending and that was episode one ah well episode 13 man of worth now to give you guys a little peek behind the curtain here we normally skip recaps a lot of shows will do recaps in the beginning and we use whatever player we're using to watch them to skip the recap so we don't see a bunch of what happened in the middle And usually they end at a pretty not really all that important scene before the actual show starts. But this one in particular caught me off guard. So I click skip recap. It brings us to a park where two young white boys are running around playing cowboys and Indians dressed as cowboys and Indians. And the cowboys chasing around the Indian. They chase around what looks like their mom or something. And they're running around the park. And then they pass a Native American man who's reading a newspaper. And he kind of just drops it. And then like looks off into the distance, just so disappointed in humanity. Just a great way to start the episode. That's Otter Tooth in the future, right? Before he yeah, comes back. because he had the necklace with the stone. Oh, I didn't notice the necklace. Okay, cool. So I didn't put that together the first time I watched it. No, and me The either. second time I yep. saw the necklace and I was like, shit, that's yep. him. No, exactly right. Second time through, that's when I picked up on it. Yep. Pretty cool, though. I like it. Yeah. Now for the real stuff. We head back to New York in the 1770s. Actually, 1770, exactly. Roger is sitting in a village of Native Americans. We learn later that this is the Mohawk tribe. Jamie, Claire, and young Ian are starting to make their way to the village. I definitely did not have this episode opening up with a long-haired Roger and Native Americans playing lacrosse next to an overturned canoe on my bingo card. What the hell was this? Yeah, I didn't know in I didn't know Native <laughs> Americans invented lacrosse. That was a surprise to me. Yeah, but uh no, like you mentioned, these are the Mohawk people. The Mohawk Trail, actually, David, is literally 20 minutes from my house, like the start of it, because it was their old trade route. Mm -hmm. And I went to a gift shop along the Mohawk Trail as a kid, and my grandmother let me get an eyeball. Like Like it was a clear plastic ball with a smaller looking ball that looked like an eye inside of it, surrounded by goo, so it could 
swirl around. I, I don't mm-hmm. know what that has to do with Native Americans, mm-hmm. but I eventually smashed it with a hammer to get the eye out, and I was disappointed. And, and that's that story. That's all. Good story. <laughs> so Jamie, Claire, and Young Ian have made their way to the village. They arrive under the guise of trading with the people of the Mohawk. Young Ian surprisingly can speak their language. Yeah. Which kind of caught me off guard. Fluent Mohawk. Like, what a savant. How long have they been here? Like 20 years? How did he learn this language? Well, they, we know they've been here three years. Yes. Because it's 1770. That's still a short amount of time to learn. To learn American a language. language that's not like he doesn't have Babel or whatever the fucking like those apps are that just like. Duolingo. Yeah, Duolingo. It's impressive. But they're asking around to see if anyone's seen Roger. Apparently, we learn that Ian is the one who sold Roger to this clan. Surprise, surprise. They eventually get to speak with the chief who is thinking about trading for Roger. He's kind of like mulling it over. And then they see the stone that Claire is wearing, that same stone we were talking about a moment ago that was being worn by the Native American man we saw in the future. And they immediately kick them out of the village. They're like, get that fucking stone out of here. We hate you. Go away. I'm like, okay, well, that's new. But David, you skipped over the important fact that they call Roger Dogface. Ah, yes, Dogface. Why why is that his name? Uh, He's got a beard, and it kind of looks like a dog's ass, I guess. (laughs) I was thinking maybe just because he looks so, like, mopey, given, like, puppy dog eyes. Yeah. I'm just going with his face looks like a dog's ass. Fair. I didn't love Roger this season. More to come. Get excited. So cut to a fancy-ass plantation-looking house is somewhere, and out of nowhere, we see an arriving cart, and out jumps... I audibly gasped when this happened. I was so excited. Murtaugh Fitzgibbons is back. He's got silver hair, oh. and it's so Murtaugh's good. Murtaugh's back. Love that, man. Honestly, the only reason I still watch the show, if he dies, I'm, we're not doing any more seasons. Nope. So he's just mowing down on a roast in the dining room at this house, and he's chatting with the woman of the house, who we learn is Jocasta. We also learn that Murtaugh is a wanted man. He was working with the Regulators. Do you know what the Regulators are? I don't. It sounds like a cool name for a band, I guess, though. Yep. Yep. That's it. He's in a band now. He learned how to play guitar when he got here. That's it. He's just slapping the bass. The Regulators was actually an uprising of citizens in North Carolina prior to the revolution of people who were, you know, getting shit from the crown and the governor and that that whole thing. So gotcha. So, yeah. So it's kind of like a pre-revolution. A lot of historians will refer to it as kind of like the first step in the American Revolution. But yeah, so he was working with the regulators apparently because he just likes to fight the man. That's mm-hmm. what I love about Murtaugh. Yep. We also learned that Brianna's in the past as well. I saw Roger, so I assumed yeah. she was, but They're now right. we know yeah. she's Preggers, also a surprise, and she's engaged to a red coat. So lots of crazy stuff happening. Lord John's just out here marrying women left and right, but touching dicks on the DL, huh? Yeah, so they said Lord John, and I didn't know if that was Lord John Gray or if there was another Lord John. No, because that feels weird. Like it feels weird because we already know that he was married to another rather young woman. Yeah. Over in Scotland. He has many beards, many beards, but no beard. Bree's been getting busy since she came back. But yeah, it's like we're three years from the season four opener. We don't know when she plopped in. That's true. So we don't know how long they've been here. Judging by how sad Roger is, it was probably some time ago. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we do see Brianna sitting in a bed upstairs, looking wonderful as a woman massages her very pregnant belly within a month or two of giving birth, it feels like, like from from what we can see. Back to Jamie and Claire. They start making camp after they got rejected from the Mohawk tribe there, and they just get attacked by some, some of the villagers from the tribe that we just saw. 
Yep. They end up like chatting for a while, which is surprising that they're just like kind of things cool down and they're like, hey, let's let's chat. And the attackers tell us a story about a man named Ottertooth, who they referred to kind of as like a like a time walker or said he, he wouldn't tell us from whence he came. But we kind of put together the fact that he is also a time traveling man. Yep. He came to their village to warn them that their culture is just going to be basically wiped out from history by the white men who are currently in their area. I know we have to at least touch on it. We're, we're not the type of show that's going to do a deep dive on the plight of the Native Americans due to shitty Europeans. You all don't listen to us for that. But know that it's not lost on us. Shitty Europeans is an understatement. If I could go back and punch a 1700s British dude in the dick, I'd do it. Mm-hmm. What they did was horrible. It was just, it was just bad. Yeah. But we're not that show, so nope. know that we we know about it, we think about it, we hate it, but you're yeah, you're not it's here shitty. to be sad. So we're moving on. But he did wear uh, Otter Tooth wore the same stone that we've seen Claire wearing that they got kicked out of the the village for. He was trying to kind of rally these village to fight against the, the Europeans and was able to convince a few of them. He would bring a few scalps back from Redcoats. The village and, and the tribe was basically afraid that he was going to bring hell upon their village by slaughtering white dudes, which you're not wrong. Yep. So they basically said, like, you're out of here. But he came, kept coming back. So eventually they marked him for death, hunted him down and beheaded him. Yep. Buried his skull somewhere along with the necklace to try and silence his voice. <laughs> Okay. Apparently, Claire found the skull at some point along the lines mm-hmm. and also the necklace that was with it and say, oh, that was pretty and put it on her neck <laughs> like a fucking crazy I person. I could just like, listen, I have found jewelry before and I've done stuff with it. Like I've either sold it or threw it away. I've never found a piece of jewelry somewhere that's just like, ah, this is mine. Now. I'm going to wear it. Like, that's uh, just, mine. That's very weird to mine. me. Yeah. Especially something as unique as a, as this. And especially buried next to a skull. No, this is like like a giant green shiny stone. <laughs> Ugh, the worst. But they agree to give this woman who attacked their village with her friends the stone if they help them to free Roger. We cut back to the house and Brian Murtar chatting. She's not actually getting married. Don't worry. She proposed to Lord John and he like kind of agreed. But then afterwards, they're both like, we're not actually going to get married. It's just like to shut your aunt up, mm-hmm. which, yes. OK, in the past, like giving birth and not being married was not great. Yeah, but pretty important. Apparently, we also learned that she went to see Waste of Space Stephen Bonnet to forgive him, which we don't know why she's forgiving him at this point. Ugh. But we learned shortly why she's forgiving him and that shouldn't be forgiven. Nope. Ever. Nope. Not once. Uh, so she forgave him, but I certainly haven't. Claire, Jamie, and Ian and their new villager friends head back to the village at night to try and free Roger. It goes very poorly and they get captured. <laughs> so I don't I don't buy that the the other Mohawk would so quickly turn and just start killing their own just for releasing a half crippled white man named Dogface. Yeah, I can't like some of them were just getting caught so off guard. If my sister came over with someone who was going to like steal some shit from me and Emily saw that they were doing that. And like yelled for me and I came running out of the room and immediately punched my sister in the face. (laughs) How would I have fucking known that my sister was here with that guy? Right. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like if they if they were just makes no sense. If they were just instantly killing like Ian or Jamie. okay. like they're intruders. You have a no, you know, just you have a hard policy. You just kill intruders. Fine. But it's like they're coming out of their hut, taking one step and then slashing down one of their friends. And it's like this doesn't make any sense. Why would they? Yeah, I thought that was a little weird, too. Agreed. But. It didn't go well. The next morning, we do see that the chief kind of laying down the law. He is going to banish the woman who kind of led this little rebellion. He is also just going to let 
the Frasers go party go free. He's just mm-hmm. gonna let him go. Like whatever. Without Roger, aka Dogface. This is when he like very clearly says, like, what Dogface? <laughs> like you're like, oh, that's really Roger's name. Okay. Yep. Jamie in his stead offers himself for trade because he wants to make Bree his daughter happy jamie and claire are they just constantly make unilateral decisions that have such large scale implications on the other it's just wild they don't even check with each other they just do it so your daughter wants roger to come home yes agreed but if you presented your daughter with would you rather this soft white boy (laughs) to come home or would you rather your big buff daddy to come home and i bet she's gonna pick her big buff daddy right plus it makes her mom happy if, yeah. if her mom no longer has Jamie, then why'd she even come back in the first place? Do you want this dude who you've known for three years to come back? And to be honest, if we stay in this timeline, he's probably going to die soon anyways. Mm-hmm. Or do you want you want your dad back? I think she probably would have picked Jamie. Yeah. But he just made this decision for her. Mm-hmm. But then, you know who else makes a unilateral decision? <laughs> Ian. Young Ian. He sends Ian off to try and convince them to take Jamie in trade. But in turn, Ian offers himself up, which if I was the chief, I would have been like, mm, we'd rather the big buff boy. <laughs> but fine. So Ian is the one who's going to stay. He's a He kind of looks almost a little excited about it. Like he needs adventure in his life. And this is the ultimate adventure, I guess. Yeah. And as soon as Jamie and Claire leave, they're like, all right, skinny white man, get in your yurt. Yep. You're ours now. But yeah, so they have a nice long drawn out goodbye and then they leave ian with the mohawk mm-hmm. back at the estate murtaugh and jamie's aunt get into an argument he wants her to join the the rebellion against the crown and the regulators she throws a drink in his face and then they fuck i love it i love it <sighs> the, the, that morning scene listen i'm probably gonna get shamed for this but there's something kind of sexy about two old people doing it more so than young people sure their bodies are probably floppier but when you're young Doing it is easy. It's effortless. Old sex is a job. You got to clear your schedule. You got to get your body revved up like when you have to start an old car in the winter and let it run for 15 minutes before you leave. Plus, they aren't rookies like they're grizzled veterans. They've seen some shit. They know what buttons to press and which finger to lick. I'm just saying old people can fuck. All right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I mean, yes, I would normally agree with you, but I don't even feel like Murtaugh's. I know he's old, but like we see him without a shirt on. He's like still looking good. Like he's still like. Yeah, but he's 50. He's Murtaugh, baby. There's just something about it. I just, it it made me tingle. I just, it made me tingle. Oh no. It made you tingle? (laughs) Is this the only, this is the second time ever that we've been watching a show that you've tingled and one was the old people fucking? Yeah. I just, I don't know. There's something about it, man. Oh man. (laughs) So, so we cut back to Roger and Jamie and Claire. Roger just starts laying in the Jamie with his fists, not with his words. And Jamie's just kind of letting it happen. Like you could tell that he obviously could stop this, but just like, man, whatever. It's outrageous. I don't know where Jamie learned to take a punch, but sign me up. By this point, we've seen him be punched, stabbed, whipped, crushed, or shot over a hundred times. And I, I don't even think that that's not even an exaggeration. I, I said this when we were talking about our new Dragon Sound 5 in, in our Golden Gorilla Penis Award show for this year. Jamie is unkillable. Yeah, he's a human bruise. It's insane. But yeah, so he's he's just kind of punching Jamie. It turns out Jamie is the one who beat him up and told Ian to sell him to, to this tribe. I don't know why. We also learned that when he beat him up, I, th- I think we thought that he was the one who raped Brianna. Turns out it was Steve and I have a small penis bonnet. 
And I just like, oh, I hate Stephen Bonnet so yeah. much. This show is out of control with the sexual assault. Diana, what did we talk about? And Bonnet is hereby now Randall Jr. Randall Jr. Dude is garbage. Okay, agreed. So Bree and Roger apparently argued on a ship they were on. They were on the ship with Randall Jr. I don't know why. Apparently, he's the one who brought them over from England yeah, or Europe or wherever they were. Apparently, she told Roger to go away, and then and then Randall Jr. raped her. There was a scene among that where he was explaining like what had happened, and I had to pause it. I like zoomed in. I literally have no idea what Roger was showing them, where he like pulled something out of his pocket. You know what I'm talking about? It, it just looked like drips of blood. What the hell was that? It looked like a used piece of toilet paper. It looked like drips of blood on an old shitty piece of like cloth. It was like, a, it was like an ancient button candy. You know that button candy where it's just like a little... <laughs> yeah. What the hell was that? <laughs> it I like that. Just dumped I don't it. know. I have no idea what I was looking at there. Were they supposed to be gems or something? I don't, I I don't know. I have no clue. I don't know what it was either. But essentially... They explain that she had gotten raped to Roger. He Ugh. explains there's a stone circle in America. He wants to bring her home, but they can't because she will have a small child. And Claire doesn't think that you could bring ch- children through the portal. I don't know why she thinks that or how she would even know that, but fine. Roger can't decide if he wants to return to Bree or not, though, because Jamie is very much like, a, if you return, you're staying or I will kill you. <laughs> and, and then Roger's like, mm, I don't know. So that's that. They don't. They leave us with not knowing what's going to happen. Yeah, this show, man. It, that what? That's so rough. It's so rough for Roger. Hey, you're whatever she is. I don't know if she's his fiance or like girlfriend, wife or whatever. Acquaintance that you kissed one time. Hey, she was sexually assaulted and is pregnant. Do you want to go back with her and have this? A child that's the product of an assault potentially not yours yeah or yeah maybe it is and you won't ever know or do you want to just go home and never be with her again like that's horrible yeah. it's tough horrible call. no matter what tough call Ugh. but also not tough because if you love that person then it doesn't matter whose baby it is well no it's true it's like it's basically what frank did minus yep. the assault minus the assault yeah i mean have you seen jamie fuck claire it could be defined as assault sometimes <laughs> you, know, you know what i'm saying <laughs> We cut back to the estate. Brie gives birth. Baby and Brie are all good. Everything's fine. I'm amazed. I thought for sure one of them was going to die. Oh, man. Women who gave birth pre-modern times, they're the real heroes, not these schmucks who fought in the revolution. Mm -hmm. Without them, we wouldn't be here today. Literally. Schmucks that fought in the revolution. I couldn't have done it, man. I couldn't have done it. No. I I couldn't even do it now. Oh, yeah. Simultaneously, why Jamie was just getting punched multiple times by Roger. We see Ian who is getting run through like a gauntlet of Native Americans who are just trying to beat the shit out of him to see if he's like worthy enough to be in the, their tribe. And he eventually makes it because he's got Fraser blood in him. So fuck everybody. Yeah. Young Ian's pure jubilation and whoops after oh. he succeeded. It slayed me. His his like woo, full woo, woo. face a smile <laughs> is so good. <laughs> I, I was indifferent to young Ian as a character, but he's grown on me. I think he might be a top three Outlander character for me now. He has grown on me, too. Yeah. I, because everyone is so, like, shitty in the past, when we come across a character that's just, like, Pound from season three, mm-hmm. unwaveringly good, mm-hmm. you just, like, have to latch onto them, you know? Yep. And that's that's Ian. That's he's Ian. just a great little boy. Mm-hmm. I, so Brie gave birth. It's a boy. I think it's got to be Rogers because it's white as all hell. So there's a scene coming up that I think is the show telling us that the baby was Randall Jr.'s slash bonnets because it was literally wearing a baby bonnet. I mean, all 
most babies were I've bonnets. never put a bonnet on my baby. Well, because you weren't in born in the 1700s. I'm just saying it was like who's da- who's the dad and then the next scene here's a bonnet right on its head. Okay, I didn't I didn't put that together. You know, they're not, not breaking wrong. out a 1700s Maury. This is all the proof we're going to get. Yeah. If we thought that it was Randall Jr., then they should have put him in a little red coat and given him a little ponytail. <laughs> 2 months later, Jamie and Claire arrive home to this estate no roger in tow nope Uh-oh. Surprised. i was surprised we do learn a few things here as as they're getting kind of introduced back into the family murtaugh was apparently hunting down bonnet he almost had him when they were captured by militiamen and there was apparently an explosion at the jail while they were there murtaugh apparently made it out and Randall Jr. did not. But I know better than to think yeah. he's dead because in Outlander, unless you see their head crushed into the ground, <laughs> they're not dead. I'm like 90% sure Randall's going to come back at some point. <laughs> no, he's gone. All right. Well, Claire and Bree go and chat. They uh, they decide they're going to go back to the Fraser estate called Fraser's Ridge. So we haven't seen that. We don't know what that even looks like. Nope. But apparently there's a place that the Fraser's own. Sometime later, we don't know, they're getting ready to leave, and a horse starts to come up the road, and Brianna goes running out, because even though this person is 300 yards away, she just knows that it's Roger. He's returned, which, first of all, he would immediately be in the doghouse for not going back right away. But Brianna's very excited about it. She runs to him, they make out for a few minutes and say, I love you, and while they're doing that, some redcoats arrive. Everyone assumes they're there for Murtaugh because he's kind of on the run from the jail explosion. But we find out that they're just couriering a letter to Jamie. I mean, they are kind of there for Murtaugh indirectly. Indirectly there for Murtaugh because Jamie is reading the letter that they just delivered to him. And he is being called upon by the crown to lead a militia to hunt down none other than Murtaugh Fitzgibbons. If Jamie even so much as lays a pinky finger on our man Murtaugh, I'm out. Swear I'm to out. God. All things considered, though, it's actually a weak cliffhanger comparatively to other seasons. Comparatively, yes. This one's like, if there's one thing Jamie is, he's loyal. Yeah. There's no way he's going to turn Murtaugh no. over. So it's like, the, the cliffhanger's like, how are they going to get out of this pickle? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> yeah. But we know the result is he's not going to kill Murtaugh. So yeah, like, it's obviously. Not, I mean, so they're going to come up yeah. with something. Or next season, there's going to be some kind of triumphant, like Murtaugh sacrificing himself to free Jamie of his uh, debt or I whatever. And I'm going to cry myself to sleep and never watch this show again. Yep. But that is the 13th episode and the finale of season four. Yeah, baby. Of Outlander. Yeah. Before we dive into the questions, it's time to pay some bills, 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 David. Let's pay him. With a center commercial. Today's episode is brought to you by Stamps.com. If you're looking for ways to skip the trip to the post office and dodge all that hectic holiday shopping traffic, why not save time and money with Stamps.com? Stamps.com lets you compare rates, print labels, and access exclusive discounts on UPS and USPS services all year long. It just makes sense, especially if your business sends more mail and packages during the holidays. Now, you probably heard when we ran these ads last season, but I sell old books on eBay, so I'm constantly going to the post office. It's full of old, stinky people. The light fixtures are full of dead bees. And I have to take a left out of the parking lot. The worst. Stamps.com is here to save the day. Whether you're selling online or running an office or side hustle, Stamps.com can save you so much time, money, and stress during the holidays. Access all the post office and UPS shipping services you need without taking the trip and get discounts you can't find anywhere else. 
like up to 40% off USPS rates and up to 76% off UPS. You'll save so much time and money, you'll wonder why you didn't start sooner. Save time and money this holiday season with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code POD for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code POD, P-O-D. Stamps.com. You don't have to lick it, but if you want to, we won't tell. And speaking of things you'll want to lick, if you have any feedback or questions, you should always send that to thecentercutcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and you can follow us on all of our fun social media sites like Instagram at the underscore center underscore cut or Twitter at the center cut or just search the center cut cast on Facebook. We'd love to have you and you'll get exclusive art that you won't be able to see when you're just listening to us because you can't see stuff. Yes. Use more of your senses to imbue yourself with center cut energy. (laughs) All right, David, as we've come to expect with Outlander, we have one million questions. So many questions. Now, David, the first set of questions come to us from Facebook and the first set here come from user Catherine H. My question for you about the middle. What was Jamie doing when Brianna first meets him? I think this question is kind of sort of answered in some of the other questions. I think he's fighting a bear. Oh, okay. I also think that it's connected to later questions as well. Oh. But I'm, I'm going to go ahead and spoil it now. Just like she did with Jamie's morning poo, spoiling it, he was sitting on the toilet doing his business when he met his daughter from the future. Point for me, but day, sir. Nah, disagree. Disagree. Our second question from Catherine H. Who made Claire's new wedding ring and where did the silver come from? Murtaugh. And it's actually just a bunch of his silver fox hair weaved together. <laughs> no, I, th- <laughs> I think the silver came from some other knickknack that he had been carrying around that was tied to the family. Because back then it was it, it wasn't about having a pretty diamond. It was just about something having meaning. Like, here's a ring made from a key. Like, if I tried to pull that today, I would not be married right now. Agreed. Spent way too much money on Emily's engagement ring mm-hmm. and wedding ring, for that matter. I agree that it is Mertzaw, mm. but I think I, I also kind of am on the same page with you. It's like some some kind of knickknack that connects to the family in some way. Um, I remember Jamie having this little, like, signet-type thing that has, like, his family crest on ah, it. Ah, yes. So either that or if Murtaugh has one for, like, the Mackenzies that kind of also is that. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see either of them kind of using that to make a new ring for Claire. Sure. Next question, same user. What trade did Murtaugh learn in the colonies? Blacksmithing. Yeah, blacksmithing <laughs> slash jewelry making, obviously. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, that's not, that was a pretty uh, pretty done. Next question, same user. Who are the following characters? Ulysses, Fedra, Farquhar Campbell, John Quincy Myers, and Attaway. Well, I know for a fact that the first two, Ulysses and Fedra, are servants of Jocasta. They were called on by name in the finale. Lock it in. Now, we did see at least one other servant who was not named, who I guess could be Adawehi, although it doesn't sound like a quote-unquote white name, and the other servant was a white girl, but who knows? Adawehi felt more like uh, members of the Mohawk tribe or something like that to me. Yeah, it could be, but I I don't know. Anybody can have any name. I'm just going to say that all five are servants or farmhands of Jocasta, because that's just as good of a guess as any. Nope, disagree. The first two, I completely agree with. I think Farquhar Campbell is the bad guy from the first Shrek movie. (laughs) I think John Quincy Myers 
is the red coat that Brianna is engaged to, not John Gray. Boom. Blow your mind. And I think Adewahi is the Native American that Ian sold Roger to, that like sexy looking one with a with that was bald with the red coat jacket. The one who he like recognized was like, hey, do you remember me? I sold you a white uh, guy. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Maybe. Next question. Same user. What song does Roger sing at the Celtic Festival? So I tried to think of what songs would be popular in like the late 60s from when they probably came back to the 1700s so my answer for roger is you really got me by the kinks Hmm. okay i went with his rat satire from the season two finale go ye rats go (laughs) i forgot about that (laughs) that was so long ago yep (laughs) all right Catherine also asks an epidemic touches the ridge what disease is it so from my very minor history knowledge i know that smallpox malaria and yellow fever were probably like the big three back in early colonial america so i think odds are it's one of those would you believe the plague was actually still kind of a thing too i did a tiny bit of research yeah no i i I know that it was like a tiny bit of a thing but i don't it wasn't as prevalent as those other three it wasn't no i just i don't like the sound of yellow fever it just it sounds boring to me so that's out smallpox was basically a death sentence and all of our big main characters survived so i'm gonna go with malaria smallpox only had a 15 percent death rate in boston in the outbreak of 1775 well we weren't in boston were we no we weren't but i think that it is smallpox okay that's my answer all right yeah I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was smallpox. I, I did some some research, and smallpox was the most prevalent disease in in this area of the United States in okay. the 1700s. So it's most likely. Next question, same user. Claire performs emergency surgery. What operation and on who? No, I did all that research for the last one. I did zero research for this one. <laughs> so my answer is she has to do a C-section mm-hmm. on Marsali, Fergus's wife. Boom. Lock it in. I'm right there with you, David. I said, uh, th- no, there's another question tied to this in a few, but I, I I, think it's tied to a birth. I don't know if it's necessarily a C-section. It might be like well, she just to like crack open the some kind of birthing yeah, surgery. Some sort of birthing yeah. surgery on, on Marsali. And here's the kicker, though. I think she dies. We don't see her or Fergus, actually. And I think that will give Leary another reason to be mad, like in another season. Like, oh, you killed me, daughter. You whore. <laughs> She'll try and shoot her again and hurt Jamie again. Yep, exactly. Every time. Yep. Uh, the first C-section was in 1794. Okay, so it's probably not a C-section, but it could be. It maybe well, it no, the DL. most definitely could be a C-section because Claire would have learned surgery tactics in the 1960s. Right. Brought it back. When she yep. was training. So yeah, it could be. Interesting. Who does Fergus break out of jail? I went with Murtaugh. Because I think this is kind of referenced in the finale when he's talking to Jamie and he mentions how there was a blast of some sort that hopefully put an end to shitbag Stephen Bonnet. But I think Fergus created the blast because he would do anything for me, Lord. I love Fergus. And I think that Fergus could simultaneously release my favorite character and kill my least favorite character <laughs> all in one shot. Yep. He has that that power. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I absolutely agree with you. He broke Murtaugh out of jail and hopefully killed Randall Jr. Yeah, we're we're all we're on the same page with a lot of these. Which a is lot of these. Yeah, 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 like yeah. we'll see. Things will get yeah. feisty. There's later. many That's more fun. questions for yeah. us to, to diverge. Next question. Same user. Who was executed by the Mohawk? Uh, Lord Farquaad. So my initial thought was like, could this be about Ottertooth? 
like sometimes we get questions that are accidentally answered in the end. Like episodes blend together. Yeah, I, I get it. That's like, true. Like we definitely know that he was executed by the Mohawk. Like that is a true answer. But yeah, because well, because I think when you binge a show, who knows where one episode begins and yes. another ends. So that being said, though, I approach this as if it was somebody else in addition to Ottertooth. Mm-hmm. And I think the real answer is what was executed was Roger's dignity. But <laughs> if we're talking about a person, maybe the boat captain that was with Jamie and Claire when Bonnet attacks them earlier in the first episode. Every time in these episodes where like you come across someone who you think is going to have slaves and they're like, no, like I love I love this guy. He's the best. I'm like, Yay. Yay. No slavery. Yeah. And anytime we can not have to deal with slavery in the past is great. I mean, it, there was this episode in season three where we had to uh, broach that. And, and that was oh, rough. But the grabbing of the. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't want to talk about it. That guy would have also had a good conversation with Jamie and young Ian when they mm-hmm. were talking about their rape experiences. Yep. Ah, boy. Well, Diana. Diana. Darlene D from Facebook asks, who does Claire help to give birth and what do they name the baby? So, yeah, we referenced this a couple questions ago. I think it's Marceline. I think she dies due to complications because Fergus, unfortunately, has a horrible life, sadly. But I think Fergus stays alive and he names the baby Milord. <laughs> so we're both on the same page. I do think this is Marsali and uh, Fergus's wife. And I think they named the baby Jamie. Yeah. I think it's a boy that they named Jamie. Yeah. But Milord. Mi yeah, 100%. <laughs> Log it in. Uh, Next question from Darlene. What is the gift that Herr Mueller brings to Claire? I think that Herr Mueller finds Claire's medical kit that Jamie had purchased for her that Bonnet then stole. I almost went with that, but I changed my answer. I, I think it's more of a metaphorical gift, and I think it's the knowledge that her daughter Bree is back in their time and being oh. held captive by somebody. More on that later, though. Interesting. Who does Jamie kill and take to the Indians? So I'm guessing it's kind of a, a scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type deal. And we know that the Mohawk are up against it with rich British duds like the one at the party where they sold the ruby. The only one of them I know the name of is Governor Tryon. But in reality, he's kind of a surrogate for any of those fancy British fucks. He's also like a very famous actual historical figure. Oh, he figure. is. Okay, interesting. Yeah. I didn't, didn't do the research there. Uh, so I think it's one of the rich, shitty white people. Mm. I think this is the bear. That Jamie was fighting when he met Bree. Ah. He brings the bear to the Indians as an, like an offering. Wouldn't the question be, what does Jamie kill instead of who? Well, maybe some people consider animals as who's okay, rather than maybe. what's. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't right. refer to my dog as what. Well, that's because it has a name. But if it was a wild animal, if I asked you, hey, who did you see while you were driving by the field the other day? No, I'd be like, what did you see if you saw a deer? Like, I wouldn't be like, who? Agreed. Yeah, okay. But if I saw an animal and we were talking about it i would refer to them as he or she rather than it how do you know unless you see the deer's penis or vagina i would probably just i mean with deer it's actually easier to tell but it's true okay fair i would i would just like <laughs> like what if you saw a fish if you saw a fish would yeah, you call it a who i don't know i don't think i would call it a what i would I saw a fucking fish. What did I see? I saw a fish. I mean, fish are different. Fish are fish. They're like, fish are weird. <laughs> fish are weird, man. Fish are weird, man. Uh. Next question, Sam user. What is Jamie's Indian name? Red Mustang for the color of his hair and the size of his penis. Ooh. Uh, I went with selfishly never shows his peepee, even though Randall did and Claire <laughs> shows all her parts all the time. Too long. So my actual answer is old lumpy back. <laughs> <laughs> M- mountain back. 
Fraser Ridge. That's what they call him. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, they're man. actually talking about Jamie's back when they refer to Fraser Ridge. <laughs> Every time they say they're going back to Fraser Ridge, it's actually Jamie's back. <laughs> now, that would be a twist that we did not see coming. <laughs> uh, next question, same user. What does William do to endanger himself and Jamie? Uh, kills a Native American woman. I don't know why. It's just the first thing I thought of. So, William, if you recall from season three, is Jamie's son being raised by john gray uh also governor william tyron oh i was thinking of it as his son Mm. yeah so it could be willie you're right it could be but i would be surprised if we didn't see him at the end like where where is he now yeah i'm gonna discuss this later further but i think that willie jamie's son gets them almost killed by a bear because he leaves a picnic basket out or not necessarily a picnic basket but some sort of food out A big, big basket. And bears were everywhere back then, man. Bears were everywhere. Bears were everywhere back then. That's why I know Jamie has fought more than one. <laughs> Next question, same user. What is it that William does as he is leaving the ridge that Jamie didn't do when he was leaving Hellwater? Oh, I get you now. I think I uh, I am on the same page that this might be Willie. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to recall back to season three and Jamie leaving Hellwater. Now, I know that he offered up. I know that he offered up his butt to John Gray, which was shocking. Yes. But what did he not do? It's got to be some sort of superstitious thing, like all the crap that took place on the ship last season. Uh, like, like touch the horseshoe, show show his breasts. Yeah, like he didn't turn the doorknob to the left and do a little jump kick in the air or something. I, I think it's something like that. Some sort of superstitious thing, like turning a doorknob a certain way. So now that you've mentioned that, I am going to say, say goodbye. Like he just kind of like up and disappeared. Mm, okay. And Willie's always mad at him for it. Gotcha. Okay. I, I kind of like that. Next question, same user. What is the song Brianna sings at Leary's house? Remember the first season when we didn't know how to say Leary? Mm-hmm. Log hair. Yeah. Log hair's house. Uh, I think she sings Strawberry Fields Forever. Ah. Bree strikes me as a Beatles fan. Yeah, I also looked up hit songs of 1970 because I think her and Roger left the future in either 70 or 71. I was so, going to say between like 69 and 71. Yeah, so guess. it's yeah. going to be something that would be fresh in her head. I narrowed it down to two fitting songs, either American Woman by the Guess Who, because that would make sense because she's an American mm-hmm. woman, or Mama Told Me Not to Come by Three Dog Night. And because she legitimately calls Claire Mama like an eight-year-old British boy, I'm going to go with the latter. Mama mm. told me not to come. But I did anyways. And now I'm giving birth in the 1700s. Good yep. job. All right. Same user. What can fix everything, according to Frank? Dave, you always say Jamie is unkillable, but Frank is unkillable. We literally saw his dead body, yet here we are, still hearing him say things. Okay. We do have a future question that makes me seriously consider if Frank is still in existence. We'll get this one made me think like this was a flashback that Brie had to her childhood. I think this was a flashback. I I agree with you. And there are so many options here for what fixes everything. Ice cream, sex, duct tape. But I think that Frank has learned to mend his fucked up life with whiskey. Whiskey fixes everything. And with that, I got to rep my favorite drink, Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey, the official liquor of the Center Cut. I didn't agree to that. If you even tried to say Negroni, you're fired from the podcast. Negroni is the f- official drink of the Center no, Cut. That stuff tastes like what I imagine the inside of my grandmother's sock tastes like. Not nah, a fan. nah, 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 nah. Tastes better than peanut butter whiskey. God, grow a pair. <sighs> I regret saying grow a pair. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, so I also think that it was like, it wasn't Frank actually giving real advice. No. So so it was either something along those lines. You're right. Like, ah, whiskey fixes everything. 
or he was talking to Brie as she was young and he said something corny like her smile or some bullshit. Mm. Like he just fought with Claire and then he comes upstairs and he's like, oh, your smile fixes everything. Yeah, I like it. No, I, I agree. It, it could be that as well. Yeah. Last question from the same user. Name two of the four precious stones that Forbes asks Brianna to choose from. Precious stones, eh? Mm. How many precious stones do you know? I know many. I tried to pick out some that you might not know. Okay. Tourmaline? Do you know tourmaline? I think it's like a bluish green. Nope. Light maroon. Nice okay. try, though. Uh, Peridot? I know that's a character in Steven Universe. Nope. It's also a precious stone, and it's like a, a lime, like a lime green. Okay. Yeah. Those are the two. I am feeling more confident in my answer. And I think that she buys the stones in order to travel back because she's on the gayless school of thought where it comes to time travel. So I used logic here. I think she's not wrong because every time we've seen her travel, a stone has disappeared. Yes. Now, I think that Brianna picks Garnet and Alexandrite. Garnet for her and her dad's red hair and Alexandrite because her daddy's middle name is Alexander. Nailed it. Nah. Disagree. It's Tarmalina. You think Brianna would just choose random shit? No, she had some reasoning behind her picks. All right. Our next set of questions still on Facebook from Teresa R.M. What happened to Roger? Are you sure she's not asking? What happened to Roger? What happened to a Roger? He went from such a likable character to such a little douche. Yeah, I, I think this is one of the more important questions we have to answer today because the first time we see him, he looks like Poo Poo and people are calling him Dogface. It was quite the introduction. Great. I loved it. Now, we do get we get some context clues. There's mention of him being sold to the Mohawk. And we also know Jamie beat the crap out of him because Jamie confused him for somebody else? Question mark. I'm going to touch on that part later in another question. Mm -hmm. But I think basically his injuries are because of Jamie. But I think some other group traded Roger to the natives. And once our crew finds that out and Jamie is convinced he's not the person he thought he was, they go back for him. I think that kind of on the same wavelength, I think that Jamie mistakes Roger as the man who raped his daughter and then beats the shit out of him. And it's funny that like Jamie can beat up Roger and Roger like can't walk for a year. But Roger just wailed on Jamie for 10 minutes and Jamie just like got up and walked away. <laughs> it's very amusing to me. And then I think that because Jamie still thought that he was the man who had raped his daughter, had Ian sell him to the local tribe as a slave, essentially. And you think he did that just because or did he need money? And he's like, oh, well, this is an easy way to get some money. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that Indians would really trade money. All right. Well, well based on what we saw of them and the way that they kind of interacted and traded, I feel like they would trade goods, not cash. OK. I mean, you could get some good stuff for a person, I would assume. Yeah, but real good stuff. Who knows? That cool necklace that Ian gets to wear. <laughs> Next question. Same user. What wild fruit? That is also the origination of Jamie's surname. Do they find in the back country of North Carolina? Okay, so I either have two gripes with this because I was just like, oh, well, what's a wild fruit in North Carolina? But the origination of Jamie's surname is what like really got me off track here because I was looking for something that would have been would have been in the the wilderness of North Carolina and the list of things that would have been there none of them really lead me back to any of Jamie's names. So I just picked one and said Mulberry. I'm going to say that you're wrong because I am feeling 100% confident with this one. And it's because I know Spanish and a lot of these European languages share cognates. The Spanish word for strawberry is la fresa. Fresa, Fraser, lock that motherfucking shit in. 
They find some strawberries, and they obviously have skin-stained sex directly after, because that's all they do, murder and sex, Jamie and Claire. Mm-hmm. But it's strawberries, 100%. I'm confident. That's a good That's a good guess. Yep. La Fresa. What skill does everyone from Lollybrock have, even Jamie? Oh, we'd be as stubborn as an ass, but smile like a bird's wing swooping down over the sun on a Tuesday. Or some ridiculous shit like that. Jesus Christ. Cool. <laughs> just Every once in a while, I have a question where it's just like, I write down the first thing that cancel my mind. Like, just the first thing. They're good whistlers. <laughs> first thing. <laughs> Boom. There it is. I don't think I've ever heard Jamie whistle. Yeah. Well, that's why it's surprising when we hear him whistle and he's fucking amazing at it. Uh, I like it. <laughs> All right. Our next set of questions come to us from Reddit. Love our Reddit crowd here. First one from Purple4199. Why did Brianna and Roger go back to the 18th century? So I think they found something in the history of America that led them to believe that Jamie was back in America just before the Revolutionary War and felt that they needed to go back to help them avoid dying in the Revolutionary War. Yeah, to me, this is the most important question about the middle because it's just surprising that they're back. The only thing I can logic out is... Kind of similar. I, I I think that they find something out and it's so dire that they need to go save Claire and Jamie. Like it's got to be like, like they, they don't go back because they're bored. And I don't think it's the type of show that there's like an apocalypse and they have to go back to survive. Like we can't be in our current. Yeah. Time. Not like go, Umbrella no. Academy level event. Yeah. So I, I think yeah. they, they find out that Jamie and Claire die pretty soon after Claire goes back because if they're checking out an old history book or ancient newspaper that indicates they died of old age like 30 years later that's not worth going back like that there's nothing they can do about that so I'm guessing that they read that they both drown or die of malaria or die hugging like the lovers of Valdero in a fire that would kind of break what we understand as the time travel of the show though I think well I don't I think that was always there they just never knew to look. Uh, maybe. Okay. They just never yeah. looked. But now that they went back, they're like, oh, let's go check the history around that time and see if we can find some obituaries. Yeah, because I think that's like the fun- the like the running joke of this show is like they constantly think they can change history, but they never can. No, they can't. You can't do it. Whatever happened, happened. I'm going to be screaming that till the day I die. You can't change the future. How do they not know that yet? All right. Our next question from Reddit comes from Leviosa934. Why does young Ian propose to Brianna? Because he thinks she's hot. And also he's trying to prove to Jamie that he's a man of worth and he wants to shack up with her so her baby won't be a bastard. I am, I'm crushing the questions this time around. I'm Both of those aren't wrong, but I think it, 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 it more simply put, it's just like she's pregnant and he doesn't want her to have a baby born without a father. So he's like kind of taking one for the team, but also she's really attractive. So not really. Next question from Reddit. Crazy cat lady 27. But that's cat with a K. She does not like felines. Who does Claire find out is the real father of Willie or little William? You ready for this one? I think I'm actually kind of confident in this one. John Gray's brother, who was like, he was like a player in the third season. And he's like, he always goes to visit the girls. And I think that shortly after she had sex with Jamie, she had sex with this guy before she had sex with that old dude she was getting married to. I don't know. This confu- I hope for the sake of my sanity that this asker is just confused and didn't realize that Jamie told Claire that he was the real father in season three. And, and I think I'm hoping that's the answer. Otherwise, like, what the hell, man? No, it, it gets talked about a number of times. So, like, I would be amazed if this person was confused about that. Well, I just like 
that would imply that a that lady that basically blackmail raped Jamie also slept with somebody else and in, in, in your idea after. that person yep. John John Gray's brother but b it would imply that everything we saw after that where people were like he spends so much time with him that Jamie even looks like him and he rides a horse so good it's almost like he's your son big guy all that shit is bullshit yeah I don't like I don't buy that I don't want to live in that reality I reject the notion that anybody other than Jamie is the real father la 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 Jamie's the father hmm interesting i don't hate your answer if it is someone other than jamie but i just i think it's jamie all right our next question comes from amy aranzas yeah maybe something like that cool all right how do lord john and claire become close girls just want to have fun no i think john gray is the man i love that dude he saved jamie's life i do love john gray i have a couple answers tied into this but I think Bree eventually links up with him and then he brings her to Claire and then Lord John stays with Claire while Jamie is probably off imprisoned for like the 19th time in the show. And I think that they just commiserate about how hot Jamie is. Imagine proposing to a man who has a crush on your dad. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that is. Uh, that's a mind trip. I just think that they're like they're hanging out at the estate and then they see Jamie chopping some wood with no shirt on and they're both just like drooling and <laughs> and then they they bond over it. Yeah. We're on the same page. Kind of the same answer. Yeah. Next question same user, how did the Frasers acquire land in the colonies? Yeah, it was given to them by the governor in return for offering his services to fight against anyone who opposes the crown i think that they traded roger to the mohawk for it <laughs> no 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 i <laughs> i think jamie did what he said he wasn't going to do in the first episode and he like you said i think he agreed to help out that rich white tool in exchange for the land it does really lead into like the end where like he gets that letter saying like you're getting called upon right. it's not like uh oh we need your help it's like uh this no. is now your duty yeah, type like, of thing you signed which up for makes this. me think that he had an obligation yeah i think like he knows that he'll lose it eventually based on what Claire tells him about the future but you gotta take what you can when the getting's good yep all right our next question from i am gizmo return user we love you return user thank you so much how big is fraser's ridge oh depends on the time of day yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah no. two to three feet tall and about a foot and a half wide because that's how big jamie's back is <laughs> <laughs> When I say it depends on the time of day, I mean like as in the sun casts shadows on the hill and it makes it appear larger and wider when the sun is in the Fuck east. Fuck you. No, if if we're talking you. If we're talking we Jamie, it's respectable size, but not big enough that he'd show it to the audience as we've covered. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about Fraser's Ridge as Claire's buttocks, it's also respectable. It's plump, but not Instagram model outlandish. No, but like but round. Yeah. I mean, he talks about it considerably yeah. in in the season finale of season 3. Yeah. Yeah, but if we're talking about their actual homestead I think it's about the size of Lollybrock, roughly. That's horseshit. Like, <laughs> you don't know how big Lollybrock is. Lollybrock is the size of a mini castle. No, not the building. I think they're asking, like, how big is the, the property? I think it's a little bit bigger than the building. <laughs> no, that's not how things worked in the past like that. <laughs> I think it's, are you ready for this? Yeah. 1,500 acres. That's so many acres. How big is an acre? I don't even know. Like, is that like 100 yards? Yeah. My whole property is about one acre. So it's like, I, I don't know the exact dimensions, but I would, I would say it's about 100 yards by 80 yards. We have the internet at our fingers. We're not going to look this up, though. No. Next question from I am Gizmo. To whom does Brianna propose? Everybody. No. <laughs> Lord John. We know this. Yeah. I don't know if it's John Gray or another Lord John. 
as I've hinted at, but it's a Lord John. Yeah, no, it's John Gray. It's referenced in the finale. But I think this is sort of a trick question because I also think she proposes to Roger. She goes after what she wants, no matter how it affects other people or puts them in perilous situations like mother, like daughter. I could see that. She's a she's a strong, independent yep. woman. She could pull yep, that 100%. off. I agree. I'm Gizmo also asked, what does Claire do in the middle of a play? She got up and yelled, now you fucked up. Now you fucked up. Just calm down. Just calm down. You ever you ever see that sketch, David? The Lincoln sketch? I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It, it's from Whitest Kids You Know from like 15 years ago where it shows why John Wilkes Booth killed Lincoln during the play because he was just being like a drunk belligerent asshole. <laughs> R.I.P. Trevor Moore. But please, if you don't know the Lincoln also sketch. Also R.I.P. Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Him too. Anyway, to the few people that get that reference, you're welcome. To those that don't, let me give a real answer. I think she faints, and it's because Lord John shows up with Brie. <laughs> I think that she performs a C-section. This is when Marsali gave birth. Ah, in the middle of the play. Boom. Okay. Mic drop. Could be. But not because it makes a loud noise and you wouldn't enjoy it as listeners of a podcast. Nope. Same user. Next question. Who is the blacksmith that overcharges young Ian? Murtaugh. He's got a shop to keep running. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it earlier. I and I think it's important because young Ian and Murtaugh, they don't know what each other look like, nor they're not they're not technically related, I believe. Like I, I guess I don't fully understand Murtaugh's relation to Jamie, but I don't think they're related. Murtaugh was in love with Jamie's mom. And that's their only connection. They're not actually related. I, I thought think he's they're like not technically related. Okay. Well he I might be know. his godfather or something. Anyway, I don't think they're blood related. They don't young Ian and Murtaugh don't know each other. Is the important piece here. I think that he, the, they know each other, but Murtaugh just like needs to run his business. You yeah, know? I don't think they know each other. He was in jail the whole time young Ian was alive. I regret saying boy before. Okay. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Same user. What does Jamie do when he meets the blacksmith? Well, this was a trick question, Gizmo, but that's because you didn't realize I was smart enough to know that the blacksmith was Murtaugh. Obviously, I think Jamie goes to give him hell for overcharging Ian, but then he sees that it's Murtaugh and it's like, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug. And it's just a big, beautiful bear hug. And everybody watching wishes they were between the two men when it happens. Even me. Yeah, because they're both extremely beautiful. Mm -hmm. They're crying. They're, it, everything is just wet with tears and yep. other, fluids, other fluids. And it's great. Yep. Agreed. Lock it in. <laughs> Next set of questions from Jet611. What major event takes place while Jamie is going to the bathroom? He's in the bathroom at the play when the birth of Fergus's son happens. <laughs> Boom. No. Nailed it. I've covered this way back in one of the first questions. Yeah, you think his daughter I, yeah. snoops on his pee-pee. Bree shows yep. up and she just wanted to hug and kiss her daddy, but he's a party pooper. No, sorry, he's he's a partly pooper. He he was partly through pooping. There were like there were there were bathrooms. Like this is like a like a sophisticated home that they they were in at the estate. So I'd assume that Fraser's Ridge is similar. And like he would have been in the bathroom. So there's no way that Bree would have showed up and been so excited to meet her father that she just stumbles in while he's taking a shit. Like that isn't a thing. I don't know, man. I think if you're that's wrong. true, I'm gonna lose it. <laughs> we'll find out. All right, same user, Jet Six One One. Why does Claire spend the night in a cave? I'd like to say it's because she went off on her own like a crazy loon like she always does. But I actually think this was more practical. I think that Jamie had her sleep in the cave to be protected while he spent the night building a place for them to live on Fraser's Ridge. I think it's either that or she was with Jamie and William during the bear debacle and she ran off and tripped and fell down a hole and rolled down into a cave. One of the two. I think spend the night doesn't mean sleep. Okay. And I think that she sees Jamie kill a bear with his bare hands. 
and they just fuck in a cave for the whole night. Lock it in. <laughs> I like the way you said lock it in. I like it. <laughs> Next question, same user. What is Frank doing in the 18th century? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what the fuck? Is Frank still alive? It, has he now traveled back in time to the 18th century? Why? No one is there in the 18th century. Unless he wants to meet Claire, the uh, 80-year-old Claire. Like, what is he doing then? No, do I don't mean? understand. No, the 18th century is the 1700s. Oh, That's how centuries God. work, David. <laughs> no. Yes, yeah. it is. Okay. Yeah, we're in the no, 21st it's... century right now. Yeah, you're right. Motherfucker. <laughs> Why would someone do that to me? <laughs> It is really confusing. Is Frank alive? I mean, either way, even if we're if we're considering that he is in the same time as Claire, is this real Frank? Like Frank Frank? Or are we talking about a completely different Frank? <laughs> this is easily the most shocking of all the questions. I think either this this user's trolling us. This was just a vision that somebody had. Gotta be. Or Frank actually knew about the stones from his research, traveled back without telling Claire, and then also came back to the present without her knowing. Like, the latter is clearly the least likely, but it's also the wildest. Imagine if that's true. Imagine if he really did that. Like, that would be, it would change so many things. If Frank was in the 1700s? Yeah. And then came back after and never told Claire about it? That's craziness. Was he still alive? Which, how? We saw him dead on the the table in the morgue. Like, I don't understand how he would be alive. But if he is still alive, maybe did he follow Bree back? But he was dead at that point point you're saying oh well, we don't i'm saying him. was he dead i mean i think claire would have found out because she worked at that hospital they'd be like uh, did you hear about the guy who woke up from the dead like she'd hear about it she'd know about it <sighs> yeah but like the years and years that they lived together that he pretended not to understand what she was going through like if he had actually gone back in time and then no, come I, back i don't think he did it's also crazy no i don't i don't think he did i i'm gonna propose a fourth option my contention is that jamie mistakes Roger for Frank and he beats him up because he thought that it was Frank bringing Bree back to the past which he's mad about and he also sees Roger who he thinks is Frank grab Bree's butt or something and that makes him think that he's a pedophile and that's why he beats him up that's my answer I'm sticking to it there's no way that it was actually I don't think that's right I don't think it is Frank either oh maybe they meet uh what's the what's the um Frank's descendant the baby that that Claire helps save do you think there's just another character that looks like Frank and like so so now everyone's saying like it's just Maybe. another Frank? Yeah, it's like Randall the third. It's another Randall-y mm. Frankie character. It's the same actor. Maybe. Maybe. But I, I don't know. I think my contention is that uh, Jamie mistakes Roger for Frank. It's an interesting one. This is an interesting one. So is the next one. If you ask Jamie, he'd tell you that he was propositioned by two women this season who are not Claire. What happened? He showed them his back and they were like, ugh. Just kidding. He's a gentleman, and he was like, "Sorry, ladies, I must go home and kiss my wife." Except he said that with a Scottish accent. I, I just, I didn't want to butcher it. Yeah, I mean, it was much better when you said it just like like a very young teenage white boy. <laughs> so I think these are these obviously have to be two like relatively prominent characters. I guess it would just be weird if it was just some random character. <laughs> like it wouldn't make sense if it was just like that lady over there. So. I think one of them is the governor's wife, Governor Tyron or, or Tryon. Tryon or whatever. His wife tries to to get in Jamie's pants naturally because she saw Fraser's Ridge, obviously. Mm. And I have no idea what the second one is. So I guess that lady at the bar. All right. Yeah. Last question. Same user. What real life historical figures show up this season and what are they doing? The only one I can come up with is John Penn. 
he's one of the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Okay. And I think that he is supporting the regulators to free America, naturally. So I took an easier route. I went Washington and Jefferson, probably the two most popular dudes around that time. So I'm not doing any heavy lifting with this answer, but they were prominent in the Virginia area, which is right by the Carolinas. And I bet it's something silly, like they were playing pool. Washington was actually a very big billiards dude. That's the thing about the center cut. You can learn useless shit since November 2019. Yeah, wow, cool. Washington, big billiards guy. Yeah, so I didn't realize you were going to name two, so my other answer is Sean Penn. He went back through the stones, (laughs) so she met John Penn and Sean Penn. I like it. Lock it in. Our next question comes from returning user for multiple times now, I think. Mm -hmm. Wanders Far asks, switching it up this time, no wrong answers. I just want your opinion. Who is the biggest bad luck Brian of the series? Jamie, Fergus, or Roger? And if you're not familiar with Bad Luck Brian, that is the series of memes with the really dorky looking kid smiling with like a sweater vest in a school picture, complete with some ridiculous scenario about how he has horrible luck. Mm -hmm. My answer, hands down, is Fergus. Here is my series of Bad Luck Fergus memes. Wants to enjoy life with new young wife. Gets her pregnant immediately. Asks for a hand job, loses arm. Mary's nice wife. Leary is now his mother-in-law. Goes into room for some cologne. Accidentally spelled cologne C O L O N. Woof. <laughs> I'm gonna say Roger, and I think I only have one bad luck Brian meme for Roger, and it's follows girl to Scotland, end up being in the 1700s. Yep, because that sucks. Sure does. Next set of questions from unknown two three four five six one zero. True or false? Jamie successfully fights a bear. Obviously, this bear has been mentioned multiple times. It's definitely the he definitely fights a bear. Well, it only is mentioned a few times in your mind. I think this is the first mention of yeah. a bear. So I'm saying, obviously, he fights a bear. <laughs> I, I think this harkens back to my answer about William. So I, I think he does fight a bear. I think he at least tells the story that he fights it. But I think it's more that he just stands in the face of the bear and just scares it off to protect his son. I don't think he actually, like, punches it. Nah, I think he punches the thing right in the face. That's Jamie. That's that's the Fraser Ridge I know and love. All right. Next question from unknown 2345610. Which Mackenzie helps light the stag on fire? The sign of a good question is when you look at it and you're just completely bewildered by what any of it means. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I recognize of this whole sentence is Mackenzie. <laughs> I don't think I know any Mackenzies outside of Dougal and Roger. And one of them's dead and the other was beat to a pulp. Although we never learned what happened to Galus's child, right? Like, wouldn't they technically be a Mackenzie because Dougal was the dad? And yeah. so if it's that, maybe they'd be back to taunt Claire as a reminder that part of Galus still exists. So Galus's child is my answer to the first part. Oh, actually, Leary is a Mackenzie too, I think. But I, I don't think it's her. She's done enough. I'm going to stick with Galus and Dougal's kid. But lighting a stag, is that a euphemism? Like, uh, I was lighting the stag so good last night, but then I realized my window was open and all the neighbors could hear me. Lighting the stag. Like a maybe drinking? Or like... I was thinking maybe it's some weird old Scottish ritual where they burn a dead deer and they drink too much Jägermeister. Yeah. Maybe. But it's Galus's child who does it. Interesting. I hadn't considered Galus's child who would now be, what, 20 years old? Yeah. If they were still alive because Dougal's the worst. Mm-hmm. And they're probably dead now. Yeah, my answer is Roger because he's honestly the only Mackenzie that we even have any inkling to the fact that he is in this, this zone. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And what's lighting the second fire? Drinking? Sure. Okay. Wasn't part of the question, but sure. 
I'll get extra credit. Whatever. <laughs> Next question, same user. Who keeps trying to invite Jamie inside and even offers him a hearty piece of pie? Ooh la la. Governor Tryon's life, obviously. <laughs> I know I just said that Leary's done enough, but one thing she'll never stop doing is offering up her lady bits to try to get under Claire's skin. So I think that it might be her. And the only pie that I eat after Thanksgiving is pants pie. Fruit pie can go right to hell. If I'm going to eat a dessert, give me brownies or cookies or cheesecake. There's always too much filling. Nope. Too much nope. filling. Fuck you. Not enough crust. The ratio this is, is pie up. season. You leave it alone. I let you run your damn mouth in the middle of the summer, but we are in pie season, so shut your trap. The answer's Leary. I mean, it probably Pants is. Pants pie. Ah, all right. Last question from unknown 2345610. Who kindly finds and helps Bree after she hurts herself, but then ends up holding her captive? I covered this earlier, but I think this is John Gray, and he, quote unquote, holds her captive because he's trying to both protect her and because as far as he knows, Jamie doesn't have a daughter. He's also worried that she's a crazy person who has come to kill Claire and Jamie. Oh, interesting. I think that this is Stephen Bonnet. I think that he kind of comes to her and Roger's aid, so they kind of trust him for a little bit, but then ends up holding her hostage after Roger leaves, after he rapes her. Ah, okay. I didn't think of it that way, but you might be right. Last set of questions from Reddit user, forget me not. And I just wanted to give a special shout out to forget me not because they love the podcast, but this is the first time asking a question. So thank you. Yeah, thanks. Who is this season's big bad? Obviously, Randall Jr. I think it's Murtaugh. He's big. He's a bad mamma jamma. And I'm still so happy. <laughs> back. No, I, I think it's clear that it's Bonnet. Bad mamma jamma. Yeah, it's Donkey Dick Bonnet. Moving on. Yep. Forget me not asks, who is the man of worth? Real answer, Ian, because he takes Jamie's place among the Mohawk and then he outlasts the trumped up gang initiation and audibly squeals. But my man of worth is Frank. Poor one out for our dead homie. I was shook when we found out he died in a car accident last season. Yeah, Frank kind of grew on me a little bit, I think. Yeah, obviously, the, the real answer is Ian here. Young Ian is the only man of worth in Soul show other than Murtaugh. But my real answer is Murtaugh because he is the man yep. and he has so much worth. Fair point. And he's also a bad man pajama. Next question. What do Brianna and Roger fight about? And there are two answers to this. Yeah, so I think they fight first about the fact that after a long list of shitty things happening to them, he wants to just go back. He just like, I give up. We're not going to get to your, your mom and dad. Let's just go back to our time and cut our losses. I also think that because Stephen Bonnet saved her when she was hurt, or so I think, she trusts him, but Roger doesn't agree. Roger mm -hmm. doesn't trust Stephen Bonnet, and it's part of the reason that they fight. And then, of course repays for it by getting raped woof yep i think that they fight once pre-traveling back and then once on the other side for the first one i bet that roger thinks it's too crazy to travel back but he ends up relenting because he loves her yep and i think the second fight is once they're in the 1700s it's who gets to hug jamie first no i i think that <laughs> roger was trying to protect brie somehow and she was stubborn like claire and told him to get away which led to her getting violated sadly mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. same user who falls into the privy i've covered this tangentially a couple times now i think that is jamie brie shows up he panics and tries to hide his wee jamie and in the process falls in also why are there so many goddamn names for a toilet just call it a toilet. There's no way Jamie could fit that fat, sexy ass into a toilet. That's why I think it's Roger, because he's just the worst, and he doesn't know how to use like an outhouse or something, or he needs to go to the bathroom in the on the boat, and he just can't figure it out. 
no falls in. It, it's definitely jamie roger 100 percent. and the last question from forget me not the most fitting how many people are raped this season two i think brie obviously and i think that tangentially young ian we actually experience his raping in the first season with Galus, but like he's recalling it to jamie or whatever they're talking uh, through it. yeah but that didn't happen in this season yeah but you're really like one then this season we actually like wait well like we're there uh okay so you're one and a half is your answer yeah okay i guess yeah it's it's sad to me that this is such a normal question for outlander in fact i don't even think this is the first time we've been asked this literal same question covering the show i think, I think it's the, at least the second maybe even third time we've been asked this identical question which is insane diana gabble don't like, come on, it's historical fiction. I'm just being true to the times. How has she not gotten canceled? You know what else could be true to the times, Diana? People pooped on the ground and wiped their ass with leaves. Why aren't you showing me that, huh? Huh, Diana? I want to see that. I don't know. Show I, me that I, seven I might times. actually rather see a rape than someone just straight up shit on the ground. I don't know. It depends on how graphic the shit gets, I guess. Yeah, well, they're pretty graphic with the assault. That's true. Happens a lot. And it's like a conversation piece of almost every episode. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal and not a fan. No. My actual answer is two. I think Brie, obviously. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's locked in. And then I think the other answer is Claire. Because putting your fingers in somebody's mouth threateningly can still be rape. Unless it's my toddler when he tries to eat a leaf he found on the ground. But digital assault is still assault. And I mean digitally as in a finger. Like, whoever chose to name internet things the same as finger things is silly. Go to hell, etymologists. Whoever decided to call a finger a digit is also ridiculous. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think, like, the internet is digital because of, like, the ones and zeros code or something. But speaking mm-hmm. of ones and zeros, David, now that we've answered all the questions, I think it's time for our final scores for this season in center counts. That's the smoothest transition of all time. I'm yeah, but too bad you're wrong. It's not. <laughs> What do you mean? We have one more question, sir. No, we don't. Oh, we do. Sing me a song of a lad that is gone. It's time for Edward Truck. This is a sad Edward Truck segment, guys, because something terrible happened. (laughs) Something very sad and terrible happened. This is what's going to have to happen is that this season in the Golden Gorilla Penis Awards, we're going to have to have an in memoriam for Edward Truck. You can go ahead and tell the story, Michael. Yeah, so Edward Truck, the person who has been heckling me for many episodes now, used to send questions from lostisoverrated at gmail.com, asking me a mean question related to Lost in the current show we're watching. However, Mr. Smarty Pants McGee accidentally, inadvertently sent the email from their personal email, which then helped me internet sleuth and find this person and find their Instagram and laugh at the picture of their face. I'm not going to name names because I'm a nice person, but I, now I know who Ed Truck is. So Ed Truck is dead. Ed Truck is dead. Yes. So this will be our final Ed Truck question. However, if you would like to send an email to Ed Truck, you could send it to <laughs> what is the email? Lost is overrated at gmail.com. Uh, I'm sure it would make its way to us at some point. So if you feel more comfortable sending it to there instead of the centercutcast at gmail.com, go ahead. Yep. But in order to fully close out Ed Truck's storyline here, we do have to ask his final question. I'm not sure how I should fully read this. Yeah, this is pretty this is pretty harsh. It's kind of mean. It's- Pretty bad. Maybe just the first part. Okay. Mikey Jr., you, as a closeted gay man, can best answer this important question. Who is your bigger crush, Matthew Fox or Sam Hewen? Now, Ed, 
there's nothing wrong with being gay. That's a given. However, I am not a closeted gay man. The last time I checked, I have touched zero penises in my life. Other than your own? And north of 20 vaginas. Other than my own and my son's on accident once when I was changing his diaper. <laughs> so one and a half. Were you just really traumatized after that? I wear plastic gloves when I change his diaper. Still. Do you? Really? I do. I don't like dirty things. And That's I don't not surprising. Actually actually have my skin touch really penis. Think about but, it. So I am not a, not a closeted gay man, but there is nothing wrong with that. My answer is clearly Matthew Fox. Sam Hewen, A, has red hair. B is he has a lumpy back. C he just has many like bullet holes and stuff in him. And Matthew Fox is the best. And Lost is the best. And that's the answer, Ed Truck. It was nice having Since you. this is the last Ed Truck question that we're gonna have, I think it's important for me to also address it. And you are full of for shit. Matthew Fox is not even remotely close to as attractive as Sam Ewan. False. Not even close. False. I like brunettes, man. No. No, 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 (laughs) no. Sam Hewen is a gorgeous man. I am also not a closeted gay man. Again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that or being an openly gay man. Do what you want with your body. I don't care. Yeah, do whatever you want except rape other people. Yes, don't do that. Don't do that. It stops when you have to involve someone else who doesn't want to be involved. Yes. Sam Hewen is far more attractive. I think most people would agree with that. Yes, I I get that. You know what it is? It's that tiny little mole birthmark thing that he has on his cheek. That's what it is. You think that's what makes him attractive? Yep. All right. It's like like the Sophia Bush of men. You don't know what I'm talking about. I don't. I don't know who that is. But let me throw this one thing at you. Matthew Fox has better hair. Does he? Because the pictures I saw online, it was just buzzed. Yeah, that's better than that stupid curly ponytail. No. Oh, the, the flowing red locks. Are you kidding the, me? The, the mullet he has at the end of season three and beginning of season it's four. It's not a no, mullet. It, it's yeah. just long hair. No. You just you don't see the top because he's wearing a hat. Oh, my God. When he was dressed in all the Revolutionary War with a hat and ugh, looking good. I looked at him more than I look at Katrina Balfe, honestly. I've seen her naked a few times. Like, I get it. It's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I also said naked. You did say I'm naked. really disappointed that I said <laughs> that. But you know what happens? Naked. Can you just cut that back yep. where I said last? Yeah, perfect. Sure. Thanks. And that is it. That is our last official question. So, David, now we do need to get into center counts because, oh, my God, this is probably going to be our longest episode ever. My wife's going to kill me. Same. Uh, so I give this a four. I honestly would have given it a five because I have for the last few seasons and I, I've kind of uh, in, enjoyed it uh, for the most part. If it wasn't for Roger. I hate him so much. I honestly, I think I hate him more than Claire at this point. It was just like he was so frustrating at the end of the episode and like make up your mind how he had to go off and think for days. It's like, what are you doing? Come on. Yeah. Just the few scenes I saw him in. I imagine that he was just the worst all season. He just doesn't belong in the past, period. I bet he was acting exactly like a teen would if you took them from these days and put them in the 90s. I can only make phone calls on my cell phone. The internet is making weird noises. Wait, I have to watch commercials? <laughs> Shut up, Roger. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm also going to go with a four. And, and we got to be clear, this is out of seven, not out of ten. So four out of seven is actually a pretty decent score. I almost went five, but I didn't like that I was already missing stuff in the season opener. I expect as much in the finale with what we do. But come on, that end of episode one shook me the first time through. And we got our Murtaugh back, but even sexier. Young Ian is cooler than I thought. And we have the mystery of Roger being called Dogface. It's not a mystery. His face looks like a dog's ass. That's true. Plus, we have confirmation that there's even more Crane of Dune type places with pockets of whatever the hell power, which has ultra lost vibes to me. So... I didn't again. I'm going to go five, five (laughs) out of seven. 
<laughs> I think that this season is better than season two and season three. I think season one's the best and this is the second best. I'm trying to remember back to the other seasons. I didn't love season three. No, season three is the worst. Season two was good. Was I? Yeah. Well, but anyway, you gave it a five. I gave it a four. That is Outlander season four. That is Outlander season four. David, what do we have coming up next Wednesday? We're going to be back with another center chat and we're going to be answering. Would you rather have Frank or Jamie as your father? Wow. Should be interesting. We saw Jamie a little bit as a dad. Now we've we've seen Frank as a dad now. So I think we can we can finally kind of make a determination of which one ultimately is the better dad. Yeah, I'm into it. I like the sound of that. Now, after that center chat, what do we have? December 22nd, a few days before Christmas, we are going to be covering the new Home Alone movie, Home Sweet Home Alone, and we are going to have some guests on that show, Our Wives. Family show, that one. Ashley and Emily, we wanted to get in the holiday spirit. That's when you spend time with your family. Should we make it a clean one that people could share with their children? No. Nah. I don't think so. Nah. No, but Home Sweet Home Alone is on Disney Plus if you want to catch up. I suggest that you probably don't because it looks horrible and I want to poke things in my eyes, but we'll... It looks bad, we'll, but... We'll get to it. David, we already talked about the things people should do during our center yeah. commercial, which is a change for this season. Yeah, surprise. So now you can just enjoy the end. Yeah. Find out what our next episode is, and then you hear like the time between rescuing Roger and him returning to the estate. It's always better in the center. Yeah.